There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Welcome to the Nerds Podcast number 639. Uh, uh, new episodes of At Midnight are not being made this week. Uh, this would be the week of February 16th through the 20th. Uh, we will return next week on the 23rd with uh, a very special episode with Paul F. Tompkins and two of the puppets from No You Shut Up is going to be the panel. So uh, I'm very excited about that. And then then we'll be back on for a while. Also uh, adding second shows to the Fun Comfortable Tour. A bunch of new tour dates and cities are going to be announced, I believe, next week. But uh, second show has been added in Chicago at the Athenaeum. The first show is sold out. Go to FunComfortableTour.com for info about that. Events from the Nerdist community, from people like you. Or possibly you, uh, who have uh, uh, personal projects and things that they would like to signal boost. So, first of all, uh, October 23rd to the 25th in Yakima, Washington. Uh, the first Comic-Con in Yakima is going to be hosted there. They're in the process of finding vendors and talent and artists. So if anyone's interested in being part of the show, go to their website at centralcitycomiccon.com and fill out an inquiry on the contact page. Also, Tuesday, March 3rd at 5 p.m., they're going to be uh, meeting with potential volunteers and have ideas to kick around. They're meeting at the Engagency at 521 West Yakima Avenue. Again, centralcitycomiccon.com. Also, Reen Roberts has written a nice email. I've listened for a couple of years now and finally learning to enjoy my burrito. I've started to sell my photography. Good job, Reen. Uh, never able to show anyone beyond my family, and uh, he's very excited and putting it out in the world. So go show him some support. He is at Etsy.com. Balanced Pictures is uh, his Etsy store. So go check that out, and congratulations to you, Reen. If you have a community corporate idea you want to submit, events at Nerdist.com. Events at Nerdist.com. Um, this episode is Simon Helberg who uh, I've known for a couple years now, a spectacularly cool dude. Uh, he, of course, is on The Big Bang Theory, but he's promoting his movie that he uh, uh, co-wrote and directed with his uh, wife called We'll Never Have Paris. Uh, it is not in theaters anymore, but uh, it should be out on VOD or Blu-ray very soon. So uh, go look that up. Uh, we'll Never Have Paris, Simon Helberg. Here's Nerds Podcast episode number 639 with Simon Helberg. Now entering Nerdist.com. Hello, 
Good. We're almost done. What? Yeah. How'd it go? It's a good, it's a good conversation. Yeah. Yeah. You were really awesome. I'm really good at this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just did what I thought you would have done. Yeah. <laughs> Which I talked about you for most of the time. Good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. That'll be all, Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great if we had a trap door in here. I would so love to just yeah. <laughs> get rid of me. Mm-hmm. Mm. Just one trap door. Just one trap door. Forever. I'd get stuck in it, really. I'm just like, huh? Yeah. Just. <laughs> It's halfway in. Yeah. Yes, that's the, the, it's even worse now. The comedy now of it. Never yeah, yeah. It would be <laughs> fantastic. I have that same key, but it's, but it's the, at the valet. Oh. I don't want to drop names. Of course you do. You guys I, all I got raises. Of course you do. I'm, I'm sure you must have nine of these. Yes. Yes, I, I, and I have a personal valet. He comes with me everywhere. <laughs> Is That'd it Kyle? Awesome. Kyle's my personal yeah. valet. <laughs> That'd be so awesome if you could just have like a guy in a bow tie next to you and be like, all right. Just pull up to the meter and be like, just like Arthur. I guess that's what. Yeah, that's I want a John Gilgood yeah. in my life. Yeah, just always, just yeah, a, I was there for you. A hilarious older uh, gay butler. Yes, who is always there to provide insight uh, and and be my be my uh, surrogate father. If you were still drinking, you'd probably need one. <laughs> I think I probably <laughs> yeah. would be. Yeah, yeah, be oh court my. appointed. <laughs> I would just make some court-appointed guy wear a tuxedo all the time <laughs> just to carry me around. Mm-hmm. But uh, how have you been? I never, I never, we're all so busy. I never get to see you. I know, I know. I've, God damn it, I grumble, keep, grumble. I, I stand outside the door here and I wave to you, but apparently it, it doesn't make an impression. I'm very busy. You're busier than me. <laughs> I yes. don't know if that's true. No, no. Well, you well, are. You on... have like four, th- five, six things But happening. you also, okay, but in addition to your show, which takes up time, you also have this movie, which uh, would have yes. taken up time. Now you're doing all the press for that movie. Which... Yes. Yeah. Even though the movie is only 90 minutes, it actually, it took longer to shoot. If it, if it was a 90-minute commitment... It's not a one just an entire... No, it wasn't in real time. I, I, I really signed up for more than I was able to handle. I thought that... Because mm. I am on a TV show, and I thought... Yeah, it's the same thing. Ten like, to five, like you're... Yeah. You're, yeah. I was the like, movies right. don't work that way, though. No, apparently. I, I, I mean, Birdman is like is a one right? <laughs> <laughs> they shot that in a weekend, yeah. I think. Didn't they just all kind of like show up? They all, yeah. up on, they, they all showed up on a Friday. Mr. Norton, Mr. Keaton, Mr. Oh, Keaton, Mr. Norton. You. And roll it. Yeah, all yeah. right. Now roll, roll in the real-time special effects. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. that's why Keaton actually learned how to make things levitate with his mind. Yes, that's it's right. Because uh, he's that good. Yeah. But well, yeah, and then by Sunday they all just went home. Yeah, it sounds great. I thought that's why it seemed like a blast. But yeah. it took a long <laughs> what time. fun they had! Yeah, yeah, I think the way that it worked was that they they shot it. They met on a Friday, shot it on a Saturday and Sunday, and then Monday it came out. Right, and uh, it was part of a twenty four hour film festival. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. <laughs> Do you did you like the filmmaking process, or were you spoiled by sitcom schedule? Oh my god, it's so hard. I don't know. I think I. I mean, I'm probably a bit. Spoiled, but I think there's got to also be a, 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 a an easier way to potentially make a film. But uh, you know, when you're making it in 22 days and on on a, a small budget, it's uh, we also had to deal with this heat wave in New York. It was the worst heat wave in 40 years, apparently. Jeez. And then when we did post in New York, it was the polar vortex, the worst <laughs> winter. Tipped. So it was like a mythical, literally like the gods were trying to stop us from from making of, this. Of all the places in the country, New York really gets punched in the it really face does. repeatedly. Yeah, yeah. In a lot of different ways. I, I know. It's yeah. A, yeah. You gotta be you gotta be tough to live in New York. 
Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm not tough. Yeah. But it's <laughs> worth it because once you get to summertime, the smells. It's true. You know what people ate last week. Uh, yeah. So I, I went, I was there for summertime and that was, uh, yeah, it was, it was grueling. But um, I did, I, and I had to do so, you know, I wrote it and I co-directed it and produced it. And, was, and, and I, I, it was a lot of pressure. And I don't, I don't, I lost 15 pounds making the movie. Also. You can't spare that. I know. That's what I, that's what I, I was trying to tell my body but I, apparently <laughs> anxiety is a magical thing uh it was horrible i i mean you see in the movie like i i like lose weight but it's out of, out of sequence yeah it wasn't a wonder i eventually i caved in we had to shoot it uh over a period of time and out of sequence <laughs> and i so i like there'll be like a scene where i'm like 10 pounds skinnier in the middle of the movie and then I'm back but it's oh, weird you know but I, it's I lose it all from it's all ankle weight so yeah. you can't it's not you know it's I just thought that it's more like artistic choices that you were making so yeah you know these are like the subtle well Jake Gyllenhaal changes. did it and I was like what if I just lost 15 <laughs> pounds <laughs> what if I made my eyes look like they're bugging out of yeah. my face yeah the creepiest weight loss was Christian Bale in The Machinist which yeah. was, that was weird is fucking disturbing yeah, well, he, yeah. He, he, these people are that's just not healthy no, no. I because I, I, I had heard you know he his wife was like during at one point during the the shooting of I think of the machinist she was like at, at night she was like the phone rang she was like Christian and he was just like I think he was like dead I think he like oh, I mean, that was it. and what I'm trying to tell you is he's, he's, he died he's not, he died, he died. He died. Yeah. yeah sorry guys. Oh, yeah well, uh, someone I took guess, over though some other guy is doing it now I guess he'll have to scream at God yeah. to get out of his eye <laughs> yeah. now yeah, exactly yeah, yeah but no but these people uh, they called his stand-in from uh, uh, Empire of the Sun to come back and. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> turns out he aged to look just like him. Yeah, it's, it's like Dorian Gray. Yeah. That was, it was really smart <laughs> thinking. Uh, yeah, um, but oh man, that tape was so good of him yelling at the guy. Yeah, I think he oh, maybe so. since apologized for that. But then didn't sure. he hit his mother while he was trying to apologize? But then his mom was like, "Christian, I think if you're going to say so," he's like, oh. "He just hit her in the face." He just punched her in the yeah, face. He's like, "Oh, that's... it's another, another fucking and apology." Then, <laughs> then, like, like yeah, later, he, he just keeps hitting again. the people yeah, that are. Like, oh, oh yeah. Please, can we stop asking him to apologize? Yeah, yeah. Please, just let him. It's his <laughs> trigger. It's just, yeah. Stop with these buzzwords. <laughs> these buzzwords like yeah. apologize. Yeah, yeah. Please be sorry. What'd you yeah. say? <laughs> What'd you yeah. say? What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't hit me. Yeah. Repeatedly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's uh, uh, the movie making process. I would imagine. I I, I imagine it, it drives people insane. It does. I saw. I I mean. I I I. It made me so happy to have. Uh, I have you know. Well, to have a dressing room like on the show. I have these luxurious things like a, a place to go to the bathroom that right. is <laughs> with a door and then a, even a place to sit and a toilet. A, yeah, one of those. And so I mean, this movie was. Um, you know, people were passing out from heat stroke, and like uh, my wife ended up in the hospital after a rap party oh, from shit. exhaustion. I mean, it was, it was insane. And then we had to go to Paris and shoot three days in Paris, and like a third of the movie takes place there. So we just shot like some of it guerrilla style. Some I don't even know how we got permits. I wow. can't imagine it was totally legal. We shot in the naval uh, museum, and they were like, "You can shoot here, but if somebody high up in the French government or military dies within ten days, we are gonna." 
we are, we are not going to allow a film crew because we'll have to drape it in these flags and there will be soldiers. At, and I was like, oh. And I all of a sudden got very involved in French politics. <laughs> just watching. I was like, I... Just I, you jumping we, and taking yeah, a bullet. For exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was Filthy. like, it's worth yeah. it. I was like, we need to protect these men. <laughs> Vive la France! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was out there uh, like a Navy SEAL jumping into the into the waters and into the Seine. And, and then, look, I protected those guys and we shot that scene and it was great. <laughs> and ultimately... Yeah. Yeah, a film was made. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was. Um, it is hard. It is hard. But you know, uh, out came and it's. It, it was a personal. Is a personal story. So the, it was like the amount, the layers of of uh, of just anxiety and stress and um, and when you care about things, I found out. I think the key is indifference. That because if you don't care. Everything's cool. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of recommend that. Uh, I mean, yeah. I don't care enough to recommend it, but I, a, I, if I did yeah. it. <laughs> but if I were the yeah. type. Like, you know, when you're at like a, you know, like a, at a coffee shop and people are just like those guys that are there like every morning. Yeah. You know, like at the coffee bean. Like who's a regular? I mean, I guess I am. I'm, I'm, I see. I'm worse. Like I'm a regular at places and I judge all the regulars for being regulars. Yes. Like, yeah. Who are, like, you know, when you go to McDonald's and you look around, you're like, oh, look at the people who eat at McDonald's. Yeah. It's like, it's like, oh, he goes here all the time. Yeah. I see him every time yeah. I'm yeah. here. I come here just to yeah. Yeah. judge you. Yeah, yeah exactly. A happy meal. Uh, yeah, because I want there a toy surprise. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, but uh, well, at least I don't uh, enjoy coming here. Yeah. I yeah. judge myself too. You probably don't even judge yourself. You're probably healthy. Yeah. You probably think this is okay. Yeah. You accept who Simon you are. Doesn't You're seem here. very happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at these people accepting who they are. Yeah. <laughs> Look at these people being disgusted. Look at these people with their smiles, yeah. smiles and their happy yeah. kids. Well, I'm on my way to therapy. I'll see you tomorrow morning. <laughs> grumble, grumble, yeah. grumble. Yeah. <laughs> My therapist will tell me I'm yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, he's like, you have some barbecue sauce on you. Shut up! <laughs> you have barbecue sauce <laughs> on your yeah. soul. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's sad. Well, yeah. I I think uh, this is, but I think this is what you should be doing because you know, listen, you're. Your show's not going anywhere for a while. I th- you, oh, you mean in a good... You're not like... Your show's not going anywhere. No, no. I mean, your show is... Your show, <laughs> you your mean it's not going to go off the air. You're it's not, not going to go off it's the not air. Gonna, it's no, not, it, it it's, already it's got not, there, it's Simon. Not, it's not gonna, hey, listen, buddy. Uh, your show's not... Nothing's yeah, yeah, going to yeah. happen. That's there. why we brought going. you on. It's not. I mean... I, yeah, yeah. We no. can only send you those fake numbers for, for so long. <laughs> I think... There is no NBC. NBC collapsed with the great media implosion of 2011. The Nielsen ratings went out the window with Mork and Mindy's. Yeah. We've just been keeping. This is like. Have you seen yeah. the Truman Show? <laughs> but it's. I mean. I mean. Like the show's not going off the air. No. Anytime yeah. Exactly. Soon. But. But. I think it's still. You need to explore other things. Like. Yeah. You can't just do you. You creatively. It's like you know. You get into a certain place where you know what to expect at work every day, and you need to yeah. play with other things. Yeah. I. Yeah. I mean. You know. I. It's funny because I think people think like. Well, this is it. Like you made it, and you, you're doing it, and you're on the show, and people know you as this guy, and like that's the dream. And in a lot of ways, it it is it is the dream. But I, I guess it's more, you know, it's a dream. It's a part of this. I'm mm-hmm. sure you. I mean, I don't know. Like I don't I, I don't feel done because I feel like if I say like I I've I've made it, then I then to me that sort of implies like, and I'm done. Like I'm ready to be right. to check out or something. And I. I mean, I, I'm probably a little too... I feel like I'm too driven for my own... Did I mention I lost 15 pounds? <laughs> uh, just during this podcast? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can tell yeah. from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I think I, I need to, like, 
to to cool out a little. But then I'm always afraid if I cool out a little that I'll you know like lose my mojo or something. And then, it's then the I fire get, in the belly. It is. It's keeps but, you step ahead. Yeah, that's called uh, colitis. That fire. Yeah. In the belly. <laughs> uh, but I you, think it's important because you know it's it's. The the show eventually will stop because that's just the way things hey, work. Hey, hey, come on. No, I mean in a hundred years. Okay, but you've uh, always been consistently working since I've know. known you. Yeah, no, yeah. I've been I've been lucky. Like, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I and I, I mean, I work really hard, and 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 then so the yeah, then uh, along comes this show, and you're like, uh, okay, I'll I'll do this pilot about God again. These ner- nerdy characters, like, oh, I have to mention Stephen Hawking. Like, I literally, I done, I, I said to my agent when I. When I read the pilot, I was doing Studio 60, and this is not a secret. I mean, I've, Chuck knows this. I'm not uh, being, like, uh, jaded here about this. But I, I didn't want to do – I didn't want to audition for the for the Big Bang Theory because I was on this, you know, coveted great show or at least what kind of, uh, you know, seemed to, to potentially have greatness in it, which was Studio 60 and Aaron Sorkin, all these great people. And then along came a show about nerds, and I had – that's all I had ever played until the Sorkin show. And, and it was like, I was like, I don't want to abandon this thing. And I'd done six pilots and they never got picked up because that's what happens. And I sort of got convinced to at least audition. And, and, and then I was like, well, I mean, it was a great script. And eventually like, my gosh, thank God I, I, I did. And I remember writing to Aaron Sorkin saying like, listen, I'm so sorry. I hope that you understand, but I got this pilot and, uh, cause I wasn't technically a regular on studio 60, but I did like almost all of them. So he contractually, he I, they had to let me out, but I wanted him to know how much I cared about the show. And, uh, I said, I'm sorry, but I'm going to shoot this show. And I hope, you know, you'll understand if it doesn't get picked up, I'd love to continue to be on your show. And maybe even if it does. And, and he wrote back, you fucking asshole. Oh, and then he wrote, shit. just kidding. Oh. And I was like, Oh my God. He's like, they would have to pry the pen out of my cold dead hand to stop writing for you. And I have this, email. Oh, that's like, so oh, sweet. That's and I was like, Oh, that's so amazing. Like he was so supportive of, of that, you know, decision. And I, I have, Eventually, I guess it was, it was a good decision because that the big. In the next is, episode, yeah. your character on his on his show gets uh, if they had been if the, if Studio Sixty had kept going, yeah. your character would have been decapitated. Yeah, uh, exactly. and your, your your body pieces would have been divided <laughs> In up. Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah. How did he? An uh, 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 IED. Uh, this is a sketch comedy show. Why are there IEDs on the set? <laughs> it would have been really funny if uh, really funny if they. Uh, if they just gave it all, if they gave Studio 60 a lot of notes and all of a sudden it's like it started becoming more about the White House where it's like, right. well, the government's yeah. come in and they've taken over this yeah. sketch comedy, comedy show. Yeah. It yeah. kind of that's what kind of happened to it. I think mm-hmm. that was sort of what was what was like maybe it was it became too many things. I, I think yeah. I think I think Studio 60, uh, I, I think the idea of it was was admirable. Like yes. it's an interesting yeah. idea, but I think. It's difficult to put the kind of weight. Not that when you work in the entertainment business, of course you put a lot of weight on your no. job. Yeah. But it's difficult to put the kind of social weight, the gravity, onto a sketch comedy it, show that the White House it, has. It, it is. I think yeah. it's – and you know, they had so many amazing people there. And I think, I think tonally it just it, – it missed a bit. In, in terms of like is this – are we looking at this realistically? Like, right, and yeah. How did we end up in Afghanistan? You know, yeah. I mean – and, and there's so many – I mean you could make a whole – you can make a whole show about, you know, someone is too coked up backstage to go on live. And, I mean, I'd, I'd want to watch that. I mean, you know, that book, the Saturday Night Live book is like – and, of course, they all knew the book. So it wasn't like it wasn't like Aaron Sorkin wasn't familiar. I think he hung out at SNL. Yeah. And, but I think he, you know, he – look, I think he likes – there is a lot of high stakes at SNL. But I think maybe in, in his mind, the, the global – there's nothing that can beat <laughs> – 
global yeah. stakes. Well, I, th- right. so, I think one of the problems with it was that you know Thirty Rock started around the same time, and Thirty Rock was you know a same premise of like the behind the scenes of a sketch comedy show, but it was so silly right. and kind of like and they, every time they would talk about the weight of a sketch, exactly. it, they did it for comedic effect, yeah. and it just kind of showed. It was just like I think it, they were just too close together. Yeah, if it, if they had come out at different times, I think it would have been fine. Yeah. Yeah, it was, you know. And it, besides, the truth of what happens on shows like that is probably better than what you could fictionalize. Well, exactly. Like, you want to see the documentary of it. Exactly. Yeah. And you can thank James Franco for that. Uh, there is a doc. He made the uh, SNL. He did? He did. Yeah, I think, but it was just like a week in SNL, it was, right? Yeah, but then he actually did get a lot of people to to kind of come and do interviews like from ca- to cast members. Oh, fuck. Throughout. I didn't yeah, know that. And, uh, I thought it was just, yeah. Of course he did, that artistic I, I, motherfucker. Yeah, I mean, yeah. How you know, dare Who's going to say no to him? <laughs> Have a perfect idea. Yeah. yeah. It's got a ton of them. Damn it. Yeah. He's, uh, I'm sure he's quoting Rimbo throughout the documentary. <laughs> uh, grabbing his balls. Everyone just uh, thinks he's saying Rambo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Rimbo, first blood. <laughs> <laughs> That's the trick. He's been talking about pop culture stuff the entire time. Yeah, yeah. Saying it differently. Did you ever audition for that, for SNL, for Sketch? Well, you know what's funny? Is we're sitting. I won't reveal our location. I don't know if I'm allowed to. But yes, you can. Uh, okay, I don't know where we are, but it's somewhere in in Hollywood. No, I know exactly where we are because we're across from where I shot Mad TV. Uh, right. Which was so. I always wanted to be on SNL, like uh, uh, like many people do. And I at at 19, I dropped out of college, um, and I started auditioning. And, and I it was like I got a lot of things going, kind of that didn't pan out. Some did, but it was like this sort of like storm of stuff happening. And uh, I ended up, there, an audition came up, I think a couple of years later for, for Mad TV. And I, I was like, well, geez, you know, I really want to do SNL. But at that point there were no openings. And I had heard you can never do SNL if you do Mad TV. And I had never seen Mad TV, but they were like, they really want you to come in. And I thought that, you know, everyone kept saying I was too young for all this stuff because I was like 21 or 22. And they're like, they don't hire anybody that age and you're too young and you're too young but just go in and I auditioned for Mad TV I they all said I was too young apparently except the head of Fox at that time and she kind of she was like you need to hire him and they hired me and it was the worst experience oh, oh, no. and it was this lot it's like a terrible, no. terrible well I had never seen the show and then I did see it, and then I was scared that I had to go <laughs> onto it. Um, and there were so many fabulous, wonderful, uh, you know, people on it—really funny, funny people. But it was kind of a train wreck of a show, I think. Uh, yeah. And and there really were like incredibly talented performers, incredibly talented writers who also a lot of them were performers and people that I had grown up watching. But it didn't have any cohesion, and it wasn't you know the taste level was, it just wasn't in the same. Uh, voice, I guess that I that I wanted to 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 speak in, and and I got buried there because the, you know they didn't want me, but the network wanted me, and I came in late in the game, and other people, it was like I was sort of in the middle of the season, and I just got squashed. Mm. It was it was, and I did seven episodes, and it was horrible. But like I I guess at that moment I thought, well, then I felt like that was the that was the end of my desire to do and I've been doing sketch stuff out here for years like five six years doing Second City and and doing a lot of live stuff so I was like and I was done I just that was it I had I was like well if SNL if this is the model for and I had read the SNL book and I read the SNL book in my trailer here on this lot while doing Mad TV and I cried. <laughs> I really did. And I, I was just sweet, sweet I, irony. Yeah, I just hate I just because I hated being on the show. Like I would pitch these ideas um 
if people would listen, which was hard sometimes even to get that, because, you know, it's such a political thing, and it's a frat house thing, and it's like, and I was late, and people didn't, and but I started to kind of get heard, and then I actually started to get some sketches at the, into the packet, which was huge, and then we would read them, and it would kill, and they, like you hear in SNL, and then they wouldn't, they just wouldn't pick them, mm. or whatever, or you'd shoot something, and it would destroy, and they wouldn't air it, and it was like, I just didn't understand it. And I was like, well, this is a, probably a fraction of what happens at SNL. And I don't, I just, I was done. Like, I just didn't want to. And then the next year, of course, was sort of that, the moment I could have gone to audition. And it was like the year they hired everyone, like Bill and Andy oh, and all yeah. those people. And um, and I was shooting actually Derek and Simon, which I That's remember right. hanging out around. Yeah. And uh, with Bob Odenkirk and Bernie Brillstein was like, do you want to? do you want to do the SNL thing? You have to, if, but you know, I just need you to tell me now, would you be willing to move to New York? You know, you've got, I was about to get married and I was like, you know, you've got, you've got a fiance. And I said, uh, and I just pictured it. And I was like, no, I, I don't, I'm not saying I would have gotten on, but like, I just was, I, and of course, but I'll always sort of be bummed in my heart that yeah. I didn't kind of, the timing was in a little different or that Bill I, had a very similar like the well, same thing he was like he, he had met Maggie and like yeah. he kind of just started getting work he had a, a the part on Derek and Simon well, Pilot yeah and, and that was when he to, auditioned yeah, he auditioned exactly. during the shooting of that and he left and then he came back and he had gotten it and I was like I just my I, my brain was spin- I mean I was like wait a minute so that's like a th- you really like I, I was so happy for him but I was also so torn inside about yeah. like that fate and and going out there and but it, I, I just got so beaten down by it here. And I also felt like, you know, I was burnt. I don't know, sketch, I was burnt out. I mean, five years of did it, doing it out here, and you want to tell, like, longer stories, yeah. I guess. And uh, well, that sketch, was, is, yeah. sketch is tough because there are not a lot of outlets to do sketch. And, and sketch is really – sketch isn't really uh, – like, stand-up can be an, a, a, an end result. Like, I'm going to be a stand-up. Right. But it's difficult to just say I'm just going to be a sketch actor because it it's it's difficult to tour with it. There yeah. aren't a lot of there's almost zero places on television where you can just be it, a sketch comedian, it, and it never works on TV ever. It's except, tough. I mean, whatever. Whenever you hear there's a new variety show, I mean, you know, there's a handful of obviously the iconic, fantastic sketch comedy shows. But whenever you hear about it now, it's like. It's just rare. It's like yeah. I feel like it's even harder to have a great sketch show than it is to have to see to find a great new sitcom or drama. Yeah, well, yeah I feel like in a million. people yeah, should think... do it because they love it, and yeah. or do it because it because it trains them to understand how to do how to pick up character really right. fast. Yeah. But you have to kind of it's like you know with the the idea of Keen Peel, like they had to make sure. it the most cinematic sketch show yeah. ever for it to. But like, they're actually great. Make like it. it's the, they have such a clear voice and an yeah. idea of what they want to do. It's not a bunch of yeah. They weren't it's... a bunch of random people being plugged exactly. into yeah, the a team. Exactly. And that and that's like when SNL I mean I think when it works it I think it's somewhat random because it is this chemistry thing that happens where because they are plucking them out, you know, I mean unless they some of them the the ones that I think that work best from the from the beginning are the ones where these people have been, you know, they've been working together at the Groundlings or Second City or whatever if they have some earlier kind of a uh, uh, history of performing yeah. together because that it is about the ensemble and I don't know, I I just the Mad TV thing I mean, there were so many things wrong with it, but that was, yeah, it, it was, I don't know, the politics of it, I, I just, I guess I, there is a game you have to play, particularly SNL, and I... But there must be also, I mean, there, but on every show there is a, 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 a tightrope to walk a little bit, you yeah. know, especially, 
you know, especially on your show now, because obviously everything worked out. Everything worked sure. out okay. Yeah. But, uh, you know, as because everyone's goals, I think it's difficult for everyone to have personal goals, but then still, as you grow, m- make sure that your personal goals can complement or be congruent with the rest of the team's goals. Yeah. And then I think that's. You know, when that doesn't happen, I think that's where you see a lot of like, oh, this one person decided to quit. And then there was fighting between these two. And right. then that guy did this. And they didn't, right. you know, like he started getting more of these storylines. Yeah, you yeah. Know? I mean, I think if it got cra- – I, I, I don't know what it would be like on another show. On ours, it feels very – I mean, we're we're actors for hire. We don't write the show. We don't contribute creatively beyond our performances and, and our characters, uh, and which is, you know, a lot. But we don't come in with – uh, we're not writing or pitching things. We're just we're there to 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 have these great writers supply us with great stories and dialogue, and and then we all go out there and listen to each other and 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 show up on time, and and uh, and that's it. I, I mean, and so I think like it it sounds somewhat simple, but I mean, the, and you know, there's drama here and there, but I I haven't seen anything affect somebody the amount of screen time. I, you know, I never hear. Oh, my screen time is this, or I'm never being. Oh, I, because I, you know, gave a look to this person. I was not in the last episode as much, or that it. It doesn't. Saturday Night Live is like you know, you're like an independent contractor that does everything, you know, and yeah. it's like you don't write for yourself, like you don't get on. You do write for yourself, you might also not get on, and like, and there are these politics. Well, you want to write with the writer who has the most, who's most popular right now with Lauren, or you want to be in the, you want to write a sketch with the performer who's most popular with, or the person who, you know, has a movie out now because you know they're going to be able to get more it's like it, it really and i don't i don't judge anyone for that because i i get that thing i just i don't love playing that game and luckily on big bang i mean i don't you know we don't i'm sure if i like shit in chuck's mailbox or something he would be like <laughs> well first of all that would be an amazing feat yeah. to i'm just i yeah no, charlie my, sheen probably already did it i'm not gonna d- say are you whether, shitting and then putting it in there or you're actually shitting into the mailbox i can so i can uh, no longer confirm or deny whether <laughs> i said that already well i can say that um i i i know all of you in the cast to varying degrees and, and everyone that i know is lovely like yeah, I, you know good, good kunal and i work on a cartoon together oh and yeah that's right yeah he, you know and he's you know whenever i see him he's just he's so warm and yeah sweet. and i've known galecki for since yeah. we were teenagers oh, wow. i mean like it's everyone's yeah. just you know it's a really nice yeah it really is uh it's pretty special and i mean i think that that contributes also to the success is just the um i don't know there really there really is like a kind of ineffable quality of where you just we all understand what the story we're telling is like we just do we and whether that's literally the story in the show or just why we're all here why we're doing it and and we all listen we all there there's no confusion about i guess our role uh you know, again, I don't just mean character, but just like on the set. Was and, that pretty immediate when you guys started? Did yeah, you feel I like a connection with everybody? Yeah, I think it was like, you know, I mean, I, I definitely, like I was saying earlier, like I, I had shot um, so many pilots and it was, you know, and you always hear like, oh, as soon as you stop caring, that's when it will, it'll get picked up. And uh, you can't force yourself to not care. And uh, it would be awesome. Like I said also earlier, if I could just be an indifferent human, I would, it would be so, I'd be so happy. But I, I did finally kind of give in to, well, hey, if I can make a pilot a year, I can live off that, and it doesn't matter yeah. what happens to it. And we shot the pilot, and I kind of thought, 
I had that, you know, I, I kind of, I, that was what I was thinking. I was like, well, I'll just shoot this and I can live. And, but I did, when we were doing it, think this is something a bit different than I've experienced. The audience is way more enthusiastic about these characters. They don't know them yet. I don't know why they're applauding when yeah. we enter because they haven't met us yet. You know, there was stuff like that happening. It was really bizarre. And, um, <coughs> excuse me, but I, I didn't, I, and the whole, I guess, geek culture thing, which I'm sure you can speak to. Well, I, I didn't under, I didn't know anything about that. Even though you were playing these characters. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I familiarized myself enough with what I could about that, but I don't, I mean, I, 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 and obviously the culture existed probably maybe not on as, um, I don't know, a ubiquitous, uh, a platform as it does now, probably partially because of the show and, every, and you and everything that's kind of going on. But like, I just, you know, I was like, oh, these are, I, I didn't realize how real these people were and how much they meant to th- those people. Like right. the people that yeah. were these guys uh, lived kind of quietly waiting for someone to represent them. Because yeah, the, the, the show can be a little polarizing within geek culture because one segment of it is like, I identify with these characters, and yeah. another segment is like, we're not all like that. You know what I, I mean? Know. Like, well, it, it, you sort of get that. You sort of get the two. Yeah, the initial, re- of course, like out of the gates, people, as they love to do, just rip you apart. Like, I, and I was like crazy. I didn't, you know, again, it's like people are so ready to just, I don't know. <laughs> to what, rip what, your fucking I, head I just off. Don't get it. I, 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 I just constantly <laughs> I'm just a guy. Yeah. I'm on a yeah. show. Please, yeah. you would do it. You would do yeah. it. Yeah, that is, it is the feeling. It's like, yeah. like I, you know, like I've made a movie or I made a show. Like I didn't, I didn't babysit your kid and then abandon him in a parking lot to go get drunk. Like, why are you so mad? You didn't, know, like. Didn't the, abandon the kid in the parking lot and scrawl, fuck nerds yeah. across yeah. the top. Yeah, like the interview, the movie is going to start a world war. Like, I mean, then, okay, maybe I understand. You might say like, hey, let's look at some content. What, what are we doing here? guys like what's happening here but like this we just made this tv show it was a pilot and they they ripped us down into our faces i guess i give them credit for that it was before twitter but they ripped us down ripped us apart uh at the this tca panel and it was like do you are you going to have an original thought is everything going to be so sexist are you just going to keep copying old ideas are you going to are you going to make fun of nerds don't you think bullying is wrong? i mean it was like hey guys it's, it's a pilot I just, yeah. it's a I just, sitcom yeah, I'm an and it, it's 20 minutes long <laughs> can you give us another 20 minutes to yeah. maybe find ourselves and then maybe another 20 after that like you guys like cool out. It doesn't. Everybody is so nuts to bring. I, I I guess you know. I guess if you have a lot of pent up hostility and and you sit and your job is to be critical. I guess yeah. you probably just wait to be unleashed because you got all you've got is this one way channel, this megaphone, and so you you don't have a dialogue. You have a you just yell and then and you're the face. You see people do that. It's like you have no. You, you're not writing the show. You're not casting Mm-mm. the show. It's uh, it's like I saw the same thing happen at a Silicon Valley panel where it's like it's just the cast, just the yeah. guys, and then like people are going, "Why aren't there more female right. programmers sure. in the show?" And they're like, "Well, 
Yeah, don't, we don't know. And you get yeah. it. Yeah, and you get it positively too. They're yeah. like, "Hey, are you ever gonna? Are you ever gonna have kids? Like, are you ever gonna sleep?" And they're like, "I'm. I. I. I have kids. My character doesn't have kids, and mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm ever gonna have kids <laughs> because we're not real." And I don't write the show, and I don't. I mean, I'm not mean to them, but I, you know, to, to fans, and I, and I understand. And actually, it's probably a good thing that, or a good sign, I should say, that 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 people connect with these characters in such a real way that they do come up to you and and say, like, you know, like in Star Trek season three, I'm like, this is gonna hurt your feelings, but like, I haven't, I haven't seen yeah. Star Trek. I, I know that's crazy, and I, I, I have, I, I mean, I've watched enough from doing the show that I, again, what I need to understand, but I haven't, I'm not a Trekkie. I, yeah. I'm sorry. You know what else I found out? Um, uh, it turns out that Tom Selleck was not actually a private investigator. So, no, so, no, no, that's ridiculous. He yeah. was. That's why they gave him the job. Jonah, no. I no, know you're, that's why this they, is close yeah. to you because it took place in Hawaii. But. Yeah, yeah, down the street. <laughs> but the, mu- not... the mustache was real, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. That was real. He just grew it for the part. But no! Was, no, no, sorry. Well, I think it's when... He grew it because of the 70s. It's when people, <laughs> yeah. it's when people front load questions with how they want their agenda to be expressed yeah. as opposed to just saying, hey, do you think X? They'll go, right. how come X is this yeah, way? Yeah. And you're like, well, first of all, we yeah. have not established that that's the case. Yeah. Let's have a conversation instead of... Right. And, and, and you as the face, people, you know, you are... It's sort of like, you're not just a performer on a show. I've learned you're also a customer service representative. Yeah. It's like you, you know, customer service representative didn't make the rules. They're not the boss. Right. They're the person you yell at when, yeah, you're, yeah. you know, when your yeah. thing didn't work. Yeah. And so, because they're the only inroad that you have. And so, like, I but constantly... But they should stop lying. Their, na- their names are not Bob. Bobs don't have access. <laughs> it's not, I'm it's sorry. Not Bob. If they would just be honest, we would treat them better. I mean, right? come on. But I think it's, you know, like, it's the reason why I get tweets from people who go... Your lighting is dumb. Like, okay, I'll. Yeah. Um, uh, right. I don't yeah. know. Okay, yeah, there's, there's a hostility. I yeah. I mean, I get, I, but I think it does come. Well, sometimes it comes from a place of love and like want and feeling like yeah, like this is this is a this is a world that you've invited them into and you're letting them down with your lighting and you're, they don't understand that you probably aren't up on a ladder you know <laughs> uh, with the gaffer and and that that they don't know what a gaffer is and I barely do too but it sounds like really cool <laughs> yeah. but I, you know so I, I I do get it but you know I don't know it's it's a it it, it constantly uh, the feeling of letting people down is like and I mean and the social media thing, I mean, my God. And the more I'm out there, like, I've been promoting this movie, and it's like, the more I'm out there, the more the movie's out there, the more, it's like, people just can't wait to tell you exactly where you've gone wrong and how you could fix well, it. Well, I think the problem, I, yeah. you know, what happens is just when people watch television, when they watch, whatever, whatever they're watching, whatever visual medium they're watching, they are seeing you two-dimensionally. Yeah. And I think... It, it, and so they emotionally assign that as like they forget you're a three dimensional person, yeah. And maybe you don't control everything. And hey, you know, maybe you're a nice guy that took a job, and this is your job. And right. you know, like you don't you don't pull all the strings. And I think when yeah. someone's you know critiquing something or leaving a comment or having it's like um, they, I don't think they feel interesting if they have something positive to say. I think that's maybe exactly. the cultural thing. Well, it's also you know what's more what what is the quickest way to affect somebody it's to it's to hurt them and and to that i think what these people who do troll on comment boards or on twitter to to you know leave negative or nasty things like they 
it would make their day to know that the person, the celebrity, the the person that they look up to actually notice them. It, it, the negative part of it is secondary. I think yeah. it's it's actually it's just what's the quickest way to be seen by and it's the same thing when I meet people. It's like apparently nobody watches my show because everybody that comes up to me, it's it's the, it's a relative of theirs that watches, it, or it's their second cousin oh, or their weird. wife, and they always undercut the comment, the compliment, and it's like they'll be like, "Listen, uh, I saw I I don't get your show. I mean, I I, <laughs> I saw part of it. I, I never really. My wife, uh, it's actually her her brother is the biggest. It would mean the world to me if I could get a picture with you just from from my wife's brother, my brother in law. And I'm like, well. Yeah. Wait, so how do you like well I mean I look it it's it, it grew on me, but it, and I'm like, all right. Or like someone will come up like, I hated your show so much when it first started. But I was uh trapped in Honduras uh in an internment camp. And it was the only and connection to the outside they, yeah, world. They, well they offered anal feeding or your show. And I I chose anal feeding, but there's you know, there's at a certain point, you know, you're full. And I'm like, uh huh. Anyway, can I get a selfie? And you're like, fuck. That's well, I just, so I weird. just, I think, I think, you know, I think it humanizes. Yes, the, and I think there's a common know. misconception that, you know, uh, that we as performers can't take criticism, and it's, and I always say like, it's not that we can't take criticism, just don't front load it with with aggression, right? If you know, if you have a concern, like when we first started at midnight, you know, not for any reason that any of us were conscious of, you know, we would all we the female comic always ended up in the middle. Okay. For some reason, it wasn't conscious. It was just the and a couple of people were like, "Fuck you! You're always putting the woman." And they're like, "We didn't. I don't." But the couple of people that said, "Hey, I was just wondering. You know, is there a reason that you're doing that? It just it feels it feels intentional or it feels weird. You know, have you thought about that? Yeah, that's much more. Were like, you like oh. we like woman sandwiches? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's very intentional. I would say. I, so that made me go, "Oh, you know what." Okay, you're coming at me from a reasonable place. Well, what, is, well, I, what was the critique of that? Well, it, I think it's just it, is it's, the middle like a lesser. Uh, it's not. It's not at all. It's and just was it Jezebel who said anything? it was not. It was not. <laughs> it was just the idea that that we were that it was always the same. Okay, in the beginning it was always the same, and it sort of felt like well, at a certain point it starts to feel intentional. And right. is there a reason that you're yeah. doing that and not? And there wasn't a reason, but you know because it was you know a criticism that at a certain point was presented to me reasonably okay. and I really thought about it and I was like well you know there's no reason but yeah we I shouldn't guess, do that right. we should mix it up you're right I mean like I I welcome polite constructive yeah. conversation about yeah. you know because I don't always know what's right and maybe sometimes I'm coming across in a way that I don't intend to so sure. I'm perfectly willing to examine that exactly. but when people start firing arrows right. you're not going to open your arms and and let your let 50 arrows sink yeah. into your chest you're going to tighten up yeah. and get behind armor and get defensive right and and also I guess to what end you know what is the point what what is the what is the what do you want what do you yeah. what is the criticism is it to be snarky is it to be and that's heard. when it becomes to be more. And uh, it is. This to isn't be just heard. for. This is. We all do this. But when you, when you, when you, uh, when you, when your criticism is an attack, a lot of times it's actually more about you. Sure. Than it is the thing you're, yeah. quote unquote, trying to criticize. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, because if you really are interested in change, then you will try to understand first and have a conversation. And go, yeah. 
hey, have you thought that this might be coming off this way? Oh, my gosh. No, I haven't. Right. I agree but or that, I don't agree. But that's the thing is none of these platforms, social media are common. They, they, it's not a dialogue. That's what I think appeals to scared people who are hiding and, and kind of shooting out these arrows. Or it, it, it isn't. It's like that Louis C.K. thing, how he said, you know, remember when you were a bully, how you used to actually have to get up and then you go to the person in front of their face and then you say something mean and then you might get hit in the face because right. you said the mean thing. and, and you. But that was something you were willing to risk because that's how much you wanted to be you yeah. know and that is so true it, that's that doesn't have i mean it there you don't have to do anything anymore to be the bully except sit there and you know and look i mean i don't think all uh, there's there's a lot of wonderful supportive people but it is it is an interesting thing and i feel like it's a little it's a little toxic uh you know to hang out on on line on those and you know i i don't know i i've kind of tried to pull myself off of that just because i i'm also really not that interested in you know i don't know who those people are or what their agenda is i guess yeah. i'm totally interested in like somebody i admire or respect telling me their opinion but right uh and they have the right to express their opinion but but you can't help but get a little hurt it's like if you walk down the street and a you know a, a crazy vagabond comes up and you know says like Fuck you, you're you tiny dick motherfucker, and you're like, well, first of all, I maybe I should wear some clothes, and but but you're so like, my bad that but you're like, well, that hurts a little bit. Uh, I you know I don't know why uh, I don't know that person, but it doesn't you know it doesn't feel nice, I guess, yeah. to have some some arrows. I got, I got bent out of shape the other day because um, someone was saying that a friend of mine got cast in a movie, and and someone else and someone was like. That person sucks, and they don't deserve to have that role. And I was like, and I got really defensive about it. I'm like, yeah. who the fuck are you to say what that person deserves? Right. Like, yeah. I know that person. They've worked very hard. What have you done? Like, you yeah. know, you can say, and they were like, well, I'm just expressing my opinion. I go, no, no, no. Your opinion is I don't like that person. You cannot say, you don't have the right to say right. what someone else deserves. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I totally got sucked in to the point where. I had to like back away and go. Yeah. Okay, well now I'm being petty. Now yeah, I'm yeah. now I am yeah. wor- now I am word dissecting, and I am doing the exact thing that I tell other people not to do. And in the end, we sort of uh, politely agreed to disagree because it just didn't. It just wasn't going to a good place. Yeah. And yeah, and I think it's important to remember when you have an exchange with someone. What is your goal? Yeah. Your goal should always be to understand, and if the understanding that you reach is we just disagree, that's okay. Right. The other person isn't worse than Hitler because they don't share your opinion on a pop culture thing. Yeah. Yeah. Worse than Hitler, though, would be a great pop song, speaking of. <laughs> <laughs> like or name for a band. Yeah. Yeah. That's an awesome... But is it... Has... You still seem totally fine and normal to me. <laughs> But success is very, you know, like success, particularly in this town, can be very dangerous. Like it can because it, it, it's you know, it can be somewhat poisonous to people. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that I don't know. I've watched people like go from not being successful to being successful, and like known them sort of throughout those stages. And I, I, what, I mean, what I've found is that it kind of only exacerbates what you are. I mean, if you're a if you're a kind person. Uh, I think it actually kind of opens your heart a little more, and some. And if you're a shitty person, then you kind of get shittier. I, I think. <laughs> I, I don't think that you start, you know, one way and then end up, you know, start as a, as a lovely, uh, you know, sensitive, giving soul, and then become, you know, a toxic, uh, black-hearted. 
uh, evil snake. You know, I, I think that you're sort of it's just an exaggerated uh, it, it kind of feeds whatever you are uh, to begin with. I, that's been my experience. I mean, and I've, I've seen both. I've seen kind of awful people get a little more awful, but uh, I, I don't know. I, 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 that's, that's at least what I've seen. I'm sure there are examples of um, you know, different cases, but I don't know. So for me, I, I'm, I'm, that's why I'm such an awful person now. I've always been this way. You slogged it out for so long you know, to finally get to the place where you don't have to fight so hard. Yeah. I think it's like it kind of, you go, oh, now I can actually enjoy this. As yeah. Opposed, like kind of like, like John Hamm, like, you know, he was just like, you know. I'm just often a, compared to him. Yes. Like just, yeah. well, but like, you know, working actor for a long time, <laughs> yeah. you were a working actor, yeah. but like, but like, you know, you know, work and, and fame are different things. And, right. And so, yeah, that's what I think you kind of have more in perspective when it comes to. Yeah, yeah, you should, I think. And I mean, yeah, it's definitely, I, I'm grateful for this and I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I don't feel, I don't feel different, but I'm sure I'm, I'm a little, I'm sure I'm a little a, a little bit different, I guess. Well, number, I, where you're, number, number one, you're wearing a diamond jumpsuit. Well, yeah. that, that I, I always had the jumpsuit. The diamonds did come later, but that's <laughs> Before fun. it was cubic zirconium. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, think, I think it depends on, you know, where people are placing their identity. And if, you could, if, you, if you're placing your identity in real life things, yeah. then you're a little more protected as, because you can't control the ebb and flow of... It's something as tumultuous as the as as any business, particularly the entertainment business. But if you place your identity in success or in in money or in anything that's external to like that type of external, you can't control that, and so you're always going to be like, ah, you're always going to be trying to protect right. that because that's your identity, you right? Know? And if it's not your identity, then it's like, well. This is great for now. Yeah. Didn't work before. May not work again in a few yeah. years. Don't know. Just yeah. hope it's okay. Yeah, exactly. I think that, <clears throat> and I do think like I also some of the people that I know that have become famous that I knew like before they were like in high school and stuff. Kind of like people that became famous really quickly. Uh, kind of always acted like they were famous too, and I like there was a degree, and I and I I think in some way they manifested it. I mean talented as well and and driven and connected or whatever the case may be but like i don't know there's something about uh yeah i think there is something about where you put your focus and and uh, and and some of those people if you want to be famous it's not that insanely hard just to be famous right. these days if that if, if that is your primary goal yeah. regardless of how you get there you know i mean yeah the internet is a way to make yourself you do something you know crazy i guess but uh or get a reality show or you know whatever it is i'm not saying that's easy but i mean uh whatever it may be but i i just i i think yeah your priorities are they probably don't shift that much depending on you know the level of success i, I do think though that um you know because things are going so well i think you should start doing um fun deranged millionaire type of things where you like buy a town and everything has to be green or you yes. <laughs> you set aside a million dollars to research how to genetically engineer like motorized pigs or just like some yeah. weird you <laughs> i think you do have a responsibility to be the eccentric to, to be to do to just set aside like you know be responsible with your investments you know because yeah. you never know what the what's going to happen in the future make sure your family is taken care of make sure right. you know like charity gonna, yeah. but then set just, aside yeah. like the, a crazy i'm trying to grow an anatomically correct ear on my, <laughs> on my back 
because I think it will enhance the hearing. You know, it may be That's what I want to hear yeah. from yeah. you. I, you know, like you have to, how many times when you were a kid, you're like, man, if I had, I yeah. would do that. Mm. Like you really, you, yeah. you just need to do one of those. Yeah, yeah. it's you need to true. do one of those. I know. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't figured it out yet. I'm a bad, I'm a bad successful person. We're going to teach sharks how to <laughs> communicate through sign language. Yeah. No. Wait a minute. First, the hands. Hands. the hands. That's right. Yeah. We're going to give them That's hands. That's another guy doing yeah. that. Yeah. Because what a great story is if you got absorbed with that and then you became like an evil genius. And right. And it's like, I mean, like, yeah. what an amazing. Yeah. yeah. Like the first actual, like legitimate evil genius. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, after Big Bang, he, just, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of a lot more sharks out there, <laughs> and they can use chopsticks. Yeah. Uh, they're taking, and of course, can... they're eating sushi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, and yeah, which is killing sharks. the rest yeah. of the marine life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we didn't think not... the, the fish were going to go this way. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's actually the sharks that killed out the entire fish population. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because they could grab more while yeah. eating others. Yeah, you know. They said it was going to be global warming. They never yeah. predicted sharks yeah. with chopsticks. They're just, they're just punching out dolphins. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Breaking the horns off a narwhal. Yeah. God damn it. A shark with hands is a terrifying yeah. thought. Yeah. Really gentle hands. Too. Really soft. Soft hand model shark. <laughs> I don't use my hands for aggressive acts. <laughs> and then that takes us back to SNL, Land Shark. Yes. Oh, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Land Shark. Yeah, God full damn circle. it, Land Shark. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, not all that first couple of seasons really holds up. No, it doesn't. I know, but it's so some funny of them, yet. the ones that did. So oh. did the, the those seasons at the time? I mean, okay, because it was a groundbreaking. I mean, it, the culture and where people were at, and the, the what that was, and what that represented to people. Obviously, it was this. You know, it it blew the roof off of. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, but what? But at that, so has it aged? Not. Necessarily as well, or is it? What is it? The exactly culture has moved past. I think the problem. Yeah. I think. I think that it's. It's not really the same playing field anymore, right? Because, you know, at the time, you know, in the mid seventies, you're coming out of, you're coming out of the golden age of television, where there's this very idealized version of people and families and comedy and everything super. Yeah. Everything's great, you know. Right, it's right. just that, that post-war era, like so you know, like the, the rock and roll, the Texaco yeah. attendants yeah. with the bow ties, and, and then you know, these anarchists show up and the comedy scene. Yeah, and but then and then like. comedy in the seventies sort of rebelled against right. like the Bewitched era and right. the Partridge Family era and the Brady Bunch era, where it was like you know, then you had Norman Lear and you had All in the Family yeah. and Mary Tyler Moore and all these shows that where the comedy was based a little more and this is how people are people are kind of shitty right, right. and this is how they are and this yeah, is yeah. a little more real yeah. yeah and you know an SNL was a show that basically was as the as gritty as you could as yeah, a matter of fact I think a lot of stuff they did on SNL in the first couple seasons would probably not be allowed on television now right That's, that might be true yeah yeah so i you know i think it was more that they were the voice of the generation, of that generation and breaking the mold. It was more it. punk rock. It was yeah, more. Yeah. It was more kind of unstructured in the way that punk rock is because yeah. it's more of a statement than it was like super tight right. comedy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I think it was important so for you that. Look reason. at it now, and it's like, well, they've had you know forty years to develop. Right. This yeah. Right. Kind of. And also, form. like you know. What what are they re- what is it rebelling against now? Yeah, it doesn't really right. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's an it's, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting thing. I mean, I can a punk band can be a punk band for forty mm-hmm. years? You know, like uh, they would have to sort of evolve, right? We, you yeah. could probably speak to that. They Kyle, yeah. being the huge punk fan that you are, like, is it can can they can a punk band 
always be a punk band or at a certain point do they become like a part of the system? Uh, I think I think it depends on how much you hold to like what you were standing for originally. Your original idea is just I'm young and snotty and rebelling. Uh, that can't sustain. Although some bands have it, like a band like the Dickies, and they have yeah. it they're just old dudes who are still 14-year-old boys. That's great. But I think that there's also bands who can evolve who bring thought to it. Like a band like Crass, to me, have sort of sustained, and the work that they've done, the things they influence, still maintain an influence over time. So I think you can do it. It depends on what your ideology is and what your final goal is. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It just, you know, whenever you see John Lydon acting up, you're like, what's he mad about? Yeah. He's always kind of a poser. And yeah. at the same time, like, evolved in an interesting way. And I feel like the Sex Pistols are a band I have such a problematic relationship with because they were never that great to begin with. PIL is way better PIL than... PIL is exactly uh, what I was going with, which are Pistols. punk as fuck because they're doing all sorts of things, exploring humanity and depression and all these different interesting ways in weird musical ways that were way more out there than, like, just playing, like, dirty 50s music, like, which is what all the Sex Pistols were. Yeah. Right. Interesting. That and, took an interesting dovetail into the history. And, and yeah, and, and as you get older, when you have kidney stones, it's harder to piss on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> like, but, but it makes for some better uh, screaming. Uh, oh, ow, ow. Uh, this is this is the worst pain, <laughs> and I jammed a screwdriver into my forearm. Can someone get me a medic? But you said anarchy. Okay, I know, but yeah. in this instance, I feel like we need some uh, yeah. institutionalized medicine yeah. because I my dick hurts. Good news, my my earlobes are longer than they used to be, so just jam the safety pin in. It'll be much easier now. I promise. Yeah, yeah. If you want to get to the kidneys, you just have to move my balls out of yeah. the way. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a show I would I would love. <laughs> just like I think I think I think it's an interesting I think it'd be an interesting show is like is is you know like a, can a punk band you know like go back out on the road and still be punk is it is it can they be punk to a younger generation or is it nostalgic or do their old are their old fans well, but yeah like, because isn't it such a it's such a, a, a the the timing is all I mean exactly it's what you're rebelling against so it's gonna be it's gonna change by the minute right I right. mean it's mm-hmm. not. I mean that would I guess yeah you I mean you you know way more about uh, everything you just said I heard I heard nothing I heard <laughs> uh, it was very yeah it was very punk you were rebelling against my interview here I didn't know what you were talking about. Uh, but uh, but but no I mean I yeah I guess that's I, so there are I guess there are bands that but there are some like who's the who's the Irish guy with no teeth. All, isn't that all of them? Shane McGowan. McGowan from the yes, Pogues, yeah. I feel like that's a, that's a Shane a lot McGowan of them. will always always be punk as fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah cuz he doesn't cuz it's you know, he did. No, oh, he didn't. That would, that, would, that, would really kill the that might kill yeah. the effect if he put teeth he in. Did. But I think you know, um, becoming part of the system because at a certain point, well, first of all, you rebel from you rebel against the system because you're not part of the system. You right. know, like you either hate the system or the system rejected you, so you rebel against it. Right. But then at a certain point. You know, the system is comfortable. Well, yeah. Well, then you can eat food. And uh, comfort, for, you know, like as human beings, we're drawn to right. comfort. And once you're comfortable, it's like, I'm not so mad anymore. But I, feel I think good. that tears people apart. You know, that's like, because if you're anti-establishment, but then the establishment likes that message and takes you on and then sponsors you to be anti-establishment, it's it becomes like this, this crossroads of, well, I can kind of do the same thing and... I, I can maybe buy a car as well. Yeah. Uh, Get but, the word out. Exactly. And have more people maybe, you know, tune into this thing. But then I guess I'm technically not, you know, shouting the same message I, I was before. Does that change? Who, is, who am I then in doing this? Yeah, there's and a Black Mirror episode about oh, that. Uh, yeah, wait, which one? It's the, the one where it said they're all like riding the bikes. Episode two, episode two season one, some of them. Well, that's the guy yelling out and rebelling. 
It's like, yeah, yes. like he's on that American the, Idol yeah, yeah, kind exactly of show. American Idol. You just reminded me that I have to finish watching Black Mirror. I have a weekend off, and Lydia and I are going to watch the it's, fuck I've out of Black Mirror. I've only seen actually the first two. I saw oh, the first yeah, they're, one. Yeah, they're great. I didn't see the Christmas episode. What? No. What? It goes off Netflix tomorrow? Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. Shit. We got to go. God, what are we still doing here? <laughs> Wait, I've, yeah, I've only seen the first two, but that second one. Yeah, second one's great. They're all great. Yeah, well, the second one is exactly what we're talking about, and it is really done. This is perfect time. You know what? What a Black Mirror episode (laughs) that I only have a day and a half to try to do whatever I can to watch Black Mirror. Yeah. Well, I can always just use Tunnel Bear and make my computer think I'm in the UK and then watch it on some streaming service over there. Yeah, Yeah, you guys. It's a proxy server. (laughs) Really? It's all that? Yeah. (laughs) You are punk. (laughs) (laughs) Proxy server. This next one's called Proxy Server. One, two, three. It's going to be played in a different building. (laughs) Oh, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But it'll be broadcast here. (laughs) (laughs) Kyle, I like. uh, It's it's always. (laughs) <laughs> I can tell when I genuinely tickle Kyle and that yeah. was that was Kyle was, was genuinely tickled tickled in that yeah. moment. Meaning he knows every time you fake laugh. That's yeah, what that that's right. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so uh, you this movie that you at what point in the series, did you was this something you've been kicking around for a while, or did you? Okay, so I'll give you the the brief rundown. So Let's pretend we're at a junket. Yeah, no, don't do that because uh, no, that'll no, no, that'll no, kill you. So okay. Um. So. Uh, well, my wife and I, before we got married, had this uh, catastrophic intercontinental breakup uh, that was like among the most clumsy things I, I, that I've I've experienced, and that I, as I talk to people about it, it seems that maybe anyone's experienced. Uh, and it it resulted in this disastrous proposal, and it was all uh, really kind of in the matter of like weeks that it happened, and um, and. I had started talking to people about this, and they were like, oh, my God, like, I, I thought I had a terrible engagement story, or I had that breakup thing, but yours, this is the most unbelievable, like, what kind of self-destructive maniac are you? And I said, well, maybe I should write this into some kind of comedy, because it was so tragic that I thought it, it's time to laugh about it. And, um, and I wrote this movie, and it's the story uh, of our almost demise, and um, and... I decided after writing it to to tell my wife that I was writing a movie about our breakup, uh, which was the, the the the. You know how you keep saying you want our life story broadcast hey, to yeah. a larger audience. You know how I made a series of bad decisions. Uh, here's the here's the latest. I wrote a movie about it. Uh, that really like basically was what would happen. If you get uh, mad, I'm just going to write a movie about yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. There'll be a sequel. You want to get divorced? I'll make this a trilogy. Um, and uh, yeah, I, it was it was crazy. You know, I I had this um, I had this kind of like quarter life crisis. I thought I needed to be a man. I thought I should explore other possibilities. And I essentially just like pulled the rug out from this lovely relationship and set it on fire and then uh, immediately regretted it and tried to put all the pieces back together, ran back to her, ran to different girls, ran to my friends, confessed that I had feelings, lied to them, lied to her, inadvertently broke up, ran to other girls. Ran. It was like this, uh, like a few days of absolute insanity. And then by the time I came back, she had decided she was leaving to Paris and uh, I said okay well I'll follow you there and I showed up and I surprised her in Paris uh, and you were arrested I, I, well effectively yeah I, I used the word surprise it was more of stalked her and uh, <laughs> I really it was crazy now, I don't know how I had the, I think at that age or something I mean and I was I was in love with her and I had made all these bad mistakes and I knew it and I knew I don't know whether I was like thinking 
will this be a romantic comedy someday? Because in the romantic comedy, the guy would fly to Paris. Like, I don't know if I was inspired by romantic comedies or what was leading the way here, but I did all these kind of grand gestures, and I sobbed and and groveled and wept my way through every national landmark and Paris <laughs> and really like and she had met a Frenchman uh, who played violin like in the course of a week and oh, that's Jesus. Rough. it was crazy and how, do you, she, how do you get past that you don't you you get you get put on a plane uh, and drugged and sent back to America Jesus. and it was and then she returned and we were in this again this horrible we were still like broken up it was I was dry heaving I mean it was like the craziest time ever and I decided, you know what would I think what would be a good move here is to propose to her, uh, which is terrible. And I continued to dig my hole, my own hole, and get in and bury myself. And uh, and the proposal was I, I don't it was the worst proposal of all time. And it was in a car, and I confessed more th- feelings that I had for other people while we were in this gray area. While we were, together. I, I like basically cleansed my palate of all <laughs> the guilt I had ever had. While proposing to her in like one long horrible You're a speech, terrible person <laughs> it was bad. But but the thing was is I don't think I am that bad of a person. No uh, no, no no no. And that was what I started to kind of realize. Well, I hope that's what I'm telling myself. But I I think that people get confused and don't and make bad decisions and tend to do it kind of in these moments uh, where where the thing that means most of them is right there and then they hit the eject button sometimes and you know hit their head on the roof and, and land in uh, Tom goose. Cruise's You're arms and goose. float yeah. out the, into the sea with yeah. a, a, a lifeless body um, yeah uh, I, it always comes back to, to Top Gun for me but um, but yeah so uh, but I found a wingman and uh, Mrs. Mean. Iceman so Ice. That anyway, it was it was crazy. So I, I wrote the movie, and then my wife and I decided to direct it together, which wow. was crazy, and tell the story of our own uh, unraveling. And uh, but that that makes it a fair and balanced portrayal. I think it does. Yeah. I mean, it was also a somewhat of a strange, like masochistic decision to go back and relive a, a lot of these moments in, like, to go to Père Lachaise where I sobbed to her and do that scene again. But with a camera crew and with my wife behind the camera or to make out with like, you know, the other girl in our lives or one of the other girls and have my wife directing that scene while I'm actually making out with another girl because it's an actress. While my wife's parents sit behind my wife and watch the scene in which I'm ostensibly cheating on their daughter. It was like a... And the DP is the Frenchman who plays the violin. Yes, of course. And he's pleasuring himself. (laughs) I mean, no, it it was... I really want to do. Yes. Twisting his mustache. But no, it really was like this. I don't know what, you know, there was something also cathartic about it, I guess, but also sadistic and strange and maybe my wife was exacting her revenge because what's better than like having someone kind of shit all over you and then going back years later making them relive it on film and getting to criticize it's them like about their performance in it. It's like the documentary with the war crime guys. Yeah. yeah. Oh right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the one where they write, well, yeah, what yeah. is that called? Uh, what's geez. that called? Kyle. Well, we got it. What is killing. Right. killing. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, yeah, they beat us to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trust me, this is more upsetting. War is... <laughs> but you know, there, so, there, so there's two things that are interesting about this. First of all, the, like when the movie comes out, now you really are putting yourself on the line because if well, people go, 
hey, that story oh. sucked. We're like, oh, believe me. Well, this is partially because it it is it at this point it's it's out. It, I mean, in the last week, it's it's come out and it's it people can see it. And uh, and I should say that it's called We'll Never Have Paris. And uh, and we got this amazing cast to play all these strange people. Uh, me being the strangest, but uh, we have Zach Quinto and Melanie uh, Linsky plays. Oh, she's great. Yeah, she plays my a version. Again, they're all versions of, of us, but a version of my wife, Maggie Grace, is in it. Alfred Molina plays my dad. Jason Ritter's in it. It's this like incredible group of people. And uh, and but the crazy part is that I am now because the whole idea here was I'm going to show myself in the most humiliating light possible because that is what I enjoy about I think about well about this story and I think about a lot of things. Did I it give like you closure to, on the thing? I think. It certainly there was a coffin and a nail in in it. Uh, uh, there were lots of coffins throughout this. I, it's yeah. a risky proposition. Like your wife could be like, "Oh yeah, this happened. Fuck you." I, well, that, yeah, there and there was a lot of like we did, there were unspoken things and like I don't know exactly what agreeing happened. on the, the the way that things happen from your two perspectives. Yeah, that was kind of what we was intriguing about it because and we didn't share. Well, I came close to sharing every detail. That was part of what ended. I was compulsively confessing every impulse and every thought and. Every detail, like, well, if there was a kiss, was there tongue? Was it what? Was it French or was it Nigerian? What kind of kiss was it? Is there a Nigerian kiss? I'll show it to you. Uh, I learned a lot. It involves a prince and a lot of lying. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, I definitely uh, like it, it. It did open up a lot of areas. It was, I mean, again, it was a risk. It, the whole thing was vulnerable and scary. And why open up this? horrible kind of past that we had but part of it i think was because it felt universal in some way and it felt funny to to me and i what i guess what makes what i enjoy i think the things that i gravitate towards in terms of performing or being a part of are things that kind of do are ugly and are humiliating and are kind of that to me that that is the most vulnerable well, and that's uh, a very human thing too is is being in a situation maybe where something is given to you and it's exactly the thing that you sh- want and you get terrified because you're like am i ready for this am i ready yeah. for this now this being the thing right. am i ready for this being the thing and yeah. you, or you, we're just naturally self-destructive creatures and you you know like right. oh, i couldn't deserve i mean yeah. or you're just selfish or whatever reason but those are all human things they 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 are I, and i don't you know i don't even know what caused all of it i mean i think that there is a desire yeah there is a self-destructive kind of gene and well, all how this, old but, were you at the time but that's the thing i mean i was i was 24 or something and i think that that's that, the age where you do well that's that is what you do yeah. i think and people sometimes continue to do it and that and i i guess the thing is is that i don't think i didn't do anything that unbelievably wretched throughout this. I got confused and I kind of made everybody suffer while I told them all of the details of my confusion and I did affect people. I did, you know, hurt people and I did hurt myself, but I was also very, it was a very solipsistic time. I was, it was all about, you kind of like at that age too, you tend to look at yourself in the third person a little bit. You're like, this is crazy. I mean, my whole life? I'm risking my whole life? Wow. And you kind of, it's almost like you look at yourself in the mirror while you're crying and you're like, yeah. wow, look at that guy go. He's got a lot of emotions. It's sort of like, that's like that moment. It sort of feels like that. And so I, I wanted to show that. It's not appealing. It's not attractive. Like I didn't, and so we made the movie and, uh, and some, you know, uh, people have, 
People have really responded incredibly uh, positively to it and related, and people have been moved, and people have thought it was hilarious. And people have also been like, what a dick that guy is. you know. And so then for me, obviously, personally, it hurts because it is a version of my... I mean, and the movie is a bit of a departure at this point. It's like, you know, it's kind of half fiction, half, half reality, because I wanted to make a good movie more than make an indulgent documentary. But people... People, so then people have these reactions, and it's like, well, yeah, I mean, you're in, you, whatever you may think, but I wanted to show a guy in less in, in 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 a less than favorable light. This is what I went through. I think people go through this. I think maybe they don't want to admit that they do, or maybe this is a hyper uh, exaggerated version for some people. That I don't know. For me, it's it's a uh, it's it's kind of what happened. And then when I tell the story, like. It's a funny story, and it's a crazy. You thing. got through and it. Everything you worked out. You got through it, and, and 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 the movie I think is is really um, uh, dangerously honest for me. And it's like in a romantic comedy, I think you know sometimes you follow the the jilted person, and uh, and you, you know, they get they get dumped in the beginning, and you go with them on their journey as they kind of get revenge on that guy and find the new guy or whatever. And then this one, you sort of follow the, the jilter. Um, it's, and that's me. And that was the guy who was like, Oh shit. Uh, we're done. I think I like that. No, no, wait, wait, I want you, but wait, hold on. I need some time. Like, Hey, you know, and it's just, it, it's, it's a bit neurotic and crazy. And, um, yeah. And so out of it came something that I, I think is, is really special. And I think that the more I've talked to people, the more I'm like, Hey, most people didn't have that, perfect proposal or, or no but know. also you know you got to go through stuff like that because it makes you appreciate something really good when you have it yeah it's like oh right the last time i did something stupid this happened so this time right i'm going to make a good choice yeah and not you know like that's how we learn we learn from doing dumb shit yeah and we all do that i i don't you know and i don't know you know i i I feel like I almost figured out why I did what I did, and I had many versions throughout it, and I just don't know. I don't. <laughs> a lot know, of it, I know, think, I was think. just that you were 24. I think it is. Yeah. Be- well, I mean, I think there's that. I really do think some of it has to do seriously with control, you know, like because you pick, I'm going to marry this person, and then you kind of immediately start thinking about death because you see the end of your life too in that yeah. same sentence and then you're like okay f- no 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 you're not gonna take me to the grave <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like uh, you know oh no no hold on a second if you know if i can burn the village down i can prove that i always had control here because i can then put it back together and right. say like see i did you know and i think it is it's that because we don't have control over anything and right. you know hence you know ocd and lots of weird uh disorders that come out of this desire to try to find some grounding here and it's like uh, i think there are uh, there is collateral damage and sometimes they're like they're they're, they're the people you love and uh but also and everything you said i 100 percent agree with in terms of like trying to give ourselves a sense of control it's i think it's why we do a lot of most of our ritualistic behavior is just like what you said i also do think 24 25 is when you first start peering down yeah. the runway of your life, when right. you know it's like sixteen, I'm going to drive. Eighteen, I can vote. So it's good drink. I'm twenty one. Yeah, right twenty college. I'm not done. Twenty. Twenty two. Yeah. What do I do? What do I do? Yeah. And then you're twenty five, and then you're like, there's no right. more real. Like, Happy birthday. Whatever. You know. Yeah. The rest. Yeah. You guys. We've been there. We've <laughs> been there. Done this twenty five yeah, yeah. times. You know how this is. Yeah. And then and then you really start to feel like, oh fuck, is this it? Am yeah. I doing the right thing? And I don't it, know. I'm like, for me, it was a big thing. Like, am I a man? I don't know. That was like because it was like, am I a? Do I know how to? 
you know, I'm small. Like, I can't reach high up on these shelves. What do I do if I can't? Oh, then no. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. Uh, no, 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 it's, it, but it, you're it, like, it, what if I can't open that jar of pasta sauce? Like, seriously, what if I'm at home with my wife? And she's like, can you open this? And I'm like, sure. Yeah, no, wait. Mm. Oh, my God. I've been trying to open this jar for three hours. That's all right. I'll get Pierre. He's playing violin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 my help. Yeah. Come open the jar again. Yeah. Ah. Heel, you just oh, Simon. Yeah. yeah, rub my bill onto here. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, it's like, what What do I, I, I don't know. Like, there were there were just these these things where I, I guess I in my brain, I was like, am I a man? Have I been with enough people? Have I, do I know what is out there? Do I know what I am? Do I know? How much do you think of that as societal and how much do you think is biological? Uh... I I think both actually. I mean, I think that you know, in some ways, like we're not. We yeah, we're not really built uh, necessarily physiologically to be monogamous. In some, you know, although I I've heard that prairie dogs are monogamous. They are. <laughs> they're also fucking prairie dogs. So I mean, they don't right. have that. The, the the field is pretty pretty limited for them. But, flat and uh, full of holes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, hey, if I had a field flat and full of holes, I would never leave the house. You uh, want to throw something at you, Jonah? Because I, I laughed it. at you. No, I saw so you cringe because I made the literal joke about prairie dogs. I liked it. You did not. I, I get so mad when I appreciate a joke. You don't have laughing. to appreciate all of them. Oh it was God. just I the like cringe. <laughs> now I'm embarrassed. I saw Jonah I like cringe. Yeah. I get it was a terrible joke, Jonah. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Shut up. But I was, I led you down the path. When I say prairie dog and I say in the field, I mean, what else is he going to say? Yeah, I mean, yeah. seriously, Jonah. Seriously. <laughs> Blame me. Do you need me Why are you blaming hold, me? Do you need me to hold up a mirror so you can yell at yourself? <laughs> you think I don't do that? There's no mirror in here right now. <laughs> Look no, at but... me. Look at me doing that fun. <laughs> but, yeah. but I think... Uh... <laughs> I think um, I think it is yes maybe there's look maybe you hit that but you start to overthink it and you're like is it more intellectual here or is it you know because maybe my maybe monogamy is uh, intellectual and, and not biological or whatever I don't know all these things I that mean, everybody thinks about at different points dating and, sucks and then there's that too it sucks and, yeah. and, and you know just sleeping with someone doesn't make you feel better it yeah. makes you feel worse a lot of times worse because you're like I thought this was supposed to make me feel better right. and I still feel empty now I feel worse like right there's no, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think, I, I'm curious to hear what you think about this idea of what does it mean to be a man? Right. And I, I think it's as simple as um, uh, learning to just take responsibility for your actions. You yeah. Know? And, well, and, and you, that means sometimes you fuck up. But right. as long as you can go, I fucked this up, but I'm, I want to make it better. And, well, yeah, know. and I think that that was actually kind of what, what did happen? Well, and I also realized that this whole I'm a man and I need to maybe uh, you know sow my oats and you know hopefully I okay well there's a great oat famine right now but when the <laughs> oats are, are back in season I'm gonna just, have to I'm gonna hit like one oat yeah oh, just oat. I'll be yeah. right back uh, but there's but I also but women are of the exact same I mean that's the the ignorant part too I think is like sometimes guys think like listen uh, settling down well yeah women are you know we're all here to, together. I mean, we're built differently, but not that, you know, that it's not, well, for some of us, it's, it's very close by <laughs> physiologically, but yeah, no, I, I don't think that there's much, I think that, that the same desires and the same tendencies run rampant through both men and women. But of I course. think at the end of it, I did come around and say, okay, well, uh, I think the problem was that I wasn't taking responsibility for everything. I was saying like, the, you know, you know when people are like, "Look, I know I'm a bad person for saying this," but and it's like that's such a cop out. To say that. <laughs> Is that Nick like, Cage saying that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey. yeah. <laughs> I just really want to do Ghost Rider three. I know I'm a bad person. <laughs> 
does it make me a terrible person for wanting to do this evangelical film? I just think Left Behind has a lot of life in it. <laughs> now just say that there, uh, please just say there are clues on the money. <laughs> there are clues on the money. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> But I, but yeah. So I think at the end, it, it, yeah. You, when you come back and you say, "Jesus, I," you know, just saying, uh, "I have these impulses. I have these desires. I did this thing. I don't know what I want. I can't." You know, well, that's cool that you know how to be really honest, but yeah. that's not necessarily commendable. Like, right. Just being honest. If it's just to clear your conscience, or it's just, it's like that's uh, selfish. It's what they call selfish. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's what I didn't when know. You, when time. you don't like people who say whatever they want and don't take into consideration another person's feelings, sure. Or what it or, or it, is it organic to the situation? Yeah. Is something like a truthful narcissism? Person, yes, because a truthful person will answer a question. I mean, an honest person will answer a question truthfully, right. and an asshole will just tell you whatever the fuck right. they think, whenever the fuck they think yes. it, regardless of... Like anything. on Twitter sometimes, too, or, you know, whatever. Yeah, there's, you're like, well, what is, what is, what is this? What's, what, to what end are we doing this? And I, I don't know. I experienced it, too, like, because it's still, you know, being... What does it mean to... Because I have the tendency to call out, you know... Like, if I ever have, like, a meeting where I, I feel like, this is so silly. Like, we're sitting at it. Look at how funny... This is – we're all taking ourselves so seriously. We're at this big conference table and life is so fucking stupid. Like don't – how do we sit here and have a conversation? And then it turns into – then we're in a Japanese meeting. But no, but I mean I – but yeah, you start – and I always have to be like, oh, man. You know, like I call out the thing on the way in or I call out like the I was in the elevator and you know it, it, it someone it smelled weird and some girl like I, I feel like I have to kind of like lighten it and I have to call out like guys like do we really have to get but and I'm like why am I doing that I'm just being uh, you know I was talking to my wife about it I was like I want to go in if I like I had like some important thing where I wanted to say a bunch of like hey I feel that this is unjust and uh, I want to make sure this happens but I always have the tendency to be like look and guys like I love everybody you know who cares I mean like yeah. we're all just being we're all people trying to make our way we all get in these little cars and then we drive there from here to there and (laughs) molecules and existential and boop and then we're uh, that's it we're done we're a blip on the radar but and my wife's like yeah but that's not that isn't just being on that's you're insecure because you're actually that's you not able to go in and say i want these things feeling confident in what you want that's you having to undermine the whole situation. You're trying to make it seem smaller. Yeah, because you're being like, I'm a, like, yeah, yeah. like. In the grand I, scheme of things, it's not important, but what I want. Right, right, right. exactly. Or just like, and so I, I don't know. And I, I guess I, so I still have that tendency, like, just being self-reflexive and self-deprecating, that, that doesn't make you a bigger person. It doesn't make you a, a smarter person. I mean, sometimes it's just fucking being selfish. or sure. it's just Or it's just being insecure. Like you know, self-deprecate. It's funny and stuff, but uh, yeah, and then that's great. But I mean, at, at the end of it, you gotta. Don't you have to kind of stand up and, you know, just be still, say what you want, yeah. and don't don't uh, don't modify it at the end of it. Don't you say know, you can you know, say something you want without being a dick about it. Yeah, yeah. you can say, hey, it's really important to me yeah. if this happens, yeah. and we can have a conversation. Again, yeah. it goes back to the we were talking about earlier. 
it's okay to have a conversation about things. Yeah. Most things are a compromise. Right. You know, this is what I want. Another entity says, well, this is what I want. Then yeah. you go, what's a reasonable way that we can both yeah. get something out of this and yeah. feel satisfied at the end of it? Yeah. Yeah. But it's very rare because it's very rare that we do that. But it's I do think scary. It's, yeah, it is scary. And I think because of the way that we interact so much with, you know, with media, with our phones, with everything, it's as much as there is a conversation that ultimately happens, it is a communication that is that is one one yeah. side, one direction that you're shooting into yeah. into a screen. You're not right. really it's just yeah. this is how I feel, this is how I feel, this is how I feel. Right. Yeah. Well and I that yeah, and that's part of the problem that I think I mean, you know, I know it's probably such a tired topic, but th- but with like social media, with Instagramming and selfie and pictures and everything and all of this, like the people start to remove themselves from their own life because it actually they're they're kind of eulogizing themselves as they live. So yeah, they're they're documenting. Yeah, so much time so documenting. You yep. used to have Facebook. You know, the the byproduct of. Uh, taking pictures or whatever was that uh, Facebook existed. So maybe you post something because it from, but now it's like, no, no, no. Like you, you take pictures, you live in order to, to put it on to yep. some sort of social media. And, and, and so, the question is for what, like, what is it ultimately that you're trying to do, like, do you ever go back later and go, Oh, I can't wait to see this uh, thing. I can't wait to experience this thing again. It's rare that you actually go back and experience. Right. The, well, yeah, you're like taking a picture of yourself watching a play, and you're like, well, uh, as we, yeah, selfie that shit. This is gonna be great. I just there did that. <laughs> Why would I do that on an audio podcast? A joke that it's, isn't gonna play. No, it's so that is like deeply meta, and I like that. And it's it's only for us. No, it was just for us. Um, uh, and you're gonna post that, and you're gonna exploit me, aren't you? Um, <laughs> no, you're eulogizing yourself, Chris. You're alive. Live now for the moment. If I looked better in the picture, I would. Okay, okay. to be honest, <laughs> good. The yeah. timing on it was bad, Simon. It, I, I just well, you didn't have the camera to look. No, I'll show you I had to... to futz with it. But but I I agree a hundred percent. And and by the way, I'm guilty of it too. It's like sure. I, because everybody gets you know. How many times have you been? This I'm so ashamed to admit this, but how many times have you seen a beautiful vista or been to a beautiful park or something? And your first thought is, I got to take a picture of this. And right. then you start feeling the pressure of like, oh, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to take the right picture to capture this moment in the yeah. way that I'm feeling it. But by that point, you're not feeling it anymore. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, you know, and I mean, obviously our attention spans are, I mean, it is changing our brain chemistry and, and whatever. There's a lot of wonderful, positive things. But I, I don't know. I, I just, it, yeah, it's scary. I, I, it, it, it also like, it triggers that part of my brain too in, like in high school where, I, I was just always panicked that there was a, something better, ha- that there was a party or I wasn't going to be invited or somebody was saying something behind my back or did somebody like the thing I did. or just, and, and sometimes I find myself, it's that same feeling on you know, social media where you're like, ah, and that quest for validation and the thing. And then, they're, they're, oh, why are those two people talking on Twitter? Like, oh, well, they don't like me. Like, they don't know or, you know, or whatever it is. And I don't, I don't think that's really healthy because, I, <laughs> no, because my, if your heart rate goes up when you check yeah. Twitter or if, if you're, or it goes down or, uh, you know, or your, your self-worth has any fluctuation while you're on any of these things. I don't, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a great way to live. And I think a lot of people, you know, do that the first thing in the morning or the, and so I, I, you know, I, but it just goes back to where you're placing your identity. And if you're placing your identity in the validation of other people yeah. at, at, at any cost, yeah. you are not going to live a happy life. Yeah. It's just harder than ever, I think, to avoid it. That's kind of what it, which is, you know, it's always been, there's always been a version of it. And 
you know, it, I think like it's, it used to maybe people, celebrity was a way you would get uh, out there on a big platform and, you know, say like, daddy, do you love me now? Or whatever. But, uh, <laughs> but I, but now, you know, you can say like followers. I mean, who, can you imagine like 20 years ago, if you overheard somebody be like, I got 800,000 followers. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, it's Charles Manson. How many likes do you uh, get? How many likes do you have? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think the prophets talked about, I mean, it's, it, it's weird. I, but you know, Hey, here we are. So. Yeah. But you know, it's, I think it just sort of plays into, I mean, it, it the, the, the dark side is all, fear-based and insecurity yeah. driven and 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 the, the best thing that we can do is as we get older and wiser is just realize like eh, it doesn't really right. say anything about who you are and no no i don't know, think it's... Like it's so it's 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 okay and and i think it's a i think it's great that you made up i mean because in your position you you must get you must get offered stuff yeah, there are things. It's hard. It's also scheduling like is challenging just because of the show and 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 summertime. But to pick a of, thing that meant something to you that really is an yeah. expression of something that was personal to you is, you know, is it, like it's, uh, I'm sure there was probably something that you may have turned down that was more money, potentially more notoriety, whatever. Yeah. And you were like, I don't need that. I just want yeah. this thing that means something to me. Yeah, yeah. It 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 took you know, and it took some time. <laughs> it took some years to do it, and. We had a baby in the middle, and we had to, you know, postpone it. And it was like, yeah, it was definitely uh, a, a labor of love and and uh, dysfunctional love, and all all of that. And uh, it came out, you know, it came out the way we wanted it to come out. So. Have you guys? Well, you must have. I was. Have, have you actually just sat down and watched it alone together, and been like, oh, oh god, we that's like the last thing we'd ever want to do. <laughs> I mean, because I guess the, you know you're editing, you're in a room for so many months, and it's like all you do is watch it by yourself, and right. so you're like. You you hate it by the end, and you can't tell what's happening if it's working or you, yeah. you don't know what you're watching. Because you're I mean, this far from it. Yeah, yeah, and it's also like it is a comedy. At the, I mean, it's it's got some darkness and uh, some real gritty kind of honesty and and painful moments in it. But it's it, it it is it is a comedy. And then we you know we you lose perspective, and so we went the first time we got to watch it with an actual audience was at South by Southwest. And it was it was like one of the best nights of my whole life. It was amazing. It was the place went too crazy. Actually, it was like they were. It was like a rock concert. We didn't, you know. It might have been a little disproportionate to what a uh, I don't know a normal audience. I don't know what it was about it, but they went absolutely nuts, and uh, and we got this incredible response. And it was like exactly the kind you wanted. They laughed. It was like because the, the laughs in the movie are more of like the forehead slapping laughs. Like we want people to have welts on their forehead because <laughs> it's a lot of no go oh, because it's just me fucking up every five minutes. And and they followed it. And they were like, you know, there's always those moments in movies where you're like, if they get if they're with it this moment, then they get the movie. Or right, and, and it happened, you know, immediately. And it was like. That was a success, and we were like, you know what? Whatever happens from here on out, um, we made a movie that tells a story that people like, you know. And and then we got to see it in like in Edinburgh and this opera. We were at the at the film festival there, and it was like this opera house and men in tuxedos. And I never expected one man in a tuxedo to watch this movie, let alone five hundred or whatever. But it was, uh, and it was. So those are the moments where you're like, this is this works, and um, and this is why we did it, and. It's like you, I kind of don't want to see it. Like, I mean, maybe in some years and some time, but like it's, 
it's like it's a great way to kind of finish the the journey is to experience it with a group of people who don't know you and don't know your story and know that it works for them too and uh yeah and it had we got a a, a wide range of really people moved and people thought it was hilarious people thought it was so painful people i mean it was it was great so that's all i guess you can hope for and and but i mean it's not easy i think you have to be compelled like like a like a lunatic to make a movie i mean i think you really kind of have to go you know into uh, in in and into the asylum and break out uh in order to make the movie and then check back in after he'll put on that weight that you lost and uh <laughs> and then go you know promote it well you look great i, I thank you the weight's I'm, coming back on actually. and i'm very excited for you and uh as i've said you know it's it, all of my encounters with you have been so great and We've had dinner a couple times. We have. Been, we should do that again. And and I and I really would like to see you do a one man show called Cage Match, where you just <laughs> do. Uh, it's sort of it's like the like when Ben Stiller did the Tom Cruise. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, what was that called? Oh, uh, the Cruise Up in Lights. The uh, yeah, it was yeah. the uh, uh, on the Ben Stiller show. Uh, yeah, on the, the ben one Stiller man. Show. Yeah, the was, one man I think show it was called Up in Lights. I think yeah, I think so. Yeah, but he does all the like the risky business. Yes, out. come on and cruise yeah, yeah, along exactly. with me, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then yeah, he yeah. winks at the camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean the cage. It, it would be great because also like through the years of Cage too. Like I mean the looks, of yeah, him and the, the, the styles, hair. and oh my god, I mean it was. Uh, somebody released a uh, thing online. It was like, can you guess? The it was like, can you guess the cage movie? And it was just the hair, like yeah. silhouettes of the hair <laughs> cut out, like draw, like kind of like you know, drawing like a yeah, silhouetted sort of just a version of the hair with his face missing. And it was amazing, yeah. And I, I, I did really well on it, but uh, <laughs> I don't want to brag. My wife seen, did very well on it, I've too. seen way too, many, way, way too many, yeah, way too many movies, but uh, yeah, well, we'll do that. Let's do a cage match thing, we'll do it, Simon Helberg. It was wonderful to see you. You too. As we exit the Nerdist podcast. Thank you. Don't document this. <laughs> Just enjoy it. Just enjoy your burrito. Don't document the burrito. Don't take a picture of it. Eat it. That's what's there for. Are we documenting it, though, by recording this and putting it out there? Well, yeah. But We're recording this? We do it. So it's cool if we do it, but not anyone else. Yeah, no, 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 no. We're okay. doing this for them to experience. We're, yeah. making the, we're documenting the thing for them to experience. Yeah, but if we're doing that, but if we... Hmm, but if we're doing it so that, that people like it and enjoy it, is that selfish? Are we doing it for selfish reasons? Yes. Oh. I did not know people were going to hear that. You know what? If you're listening to this, please take a selfie of yourself listening to this and uh, put it up on, on my Twitter page. That's Simon Helper. Bye. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode is brought to you by the effortlessly scrumptious bite of Skinny Pop Popcorn. Imagine this, perfectly popped, endlessly delicious kernels, a symphony of just three simple ingredients, popcorn, sunflower oil, and a sprinkle of salt. No compromise, just pure snacking freedom. And hey, if you're up for a twist, dive into flavors like zesty white cheddar to sweet and salty kettle. Every bite's a delight, light and oh so tasty. Shop Skinny Pop now.